So this is a case from uh, a collection called Shobogenzo, case 235, the 13th daughter. The, the 13th daughter of the Zheng family at age 12 went to study with Guishan, accompanied by her senior Dharma sister. The senior made a full bow to Guishan and stood up. Guishan said to the senior Dharma sister, where do you live? She said, I live near Nantai River. Guishan yelled at her and told her to leave. Then he said to Zheng, where does this woman behind you live? Zheng relaxed her body, walked close to Guishan and stood still with her hands joined. Guishan repeated the question. Zheng said, Master, I have already told you. Guishan said, Go away. Zheng quietly left and went up to the Dharma Hall. The senior Dharma sister said, You keep saying that you understand Zen. That was an immature statement. Today you were questioned by a great master and uttered no words. Zheng said, My goodness, how can you talk like this? And you still say that you are on a pilgrimage. Take off your passport and give it to me. Later, Zheng went to Lushan and asked, When I saw Guishan, I responded to him in this way. Did I attain equanimity? Lushan said, You are not faultless. Zheng said, What's my fault? Lushan scolded her. Zheng said, It's like spreading flowers on brocade. The verse. Fangs bird, claws unsheathed. The lion cub hasn't learned fear. It's not a matter for hesitating over. The mother load is always right here. So, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Now, every time, every year, Mother's Day rolls in, I, I look for a case that uh, involves women. And... Uh, it's not an easy task, actually. There aren't that many, unfortunately, there aren't that many cases or coins that uh, involve women. And you think about it, you know, when you think about the male-dominant societies we have developed throughout our history, it makes you wonder, how is that possible? Every single human being that is alive and was alive owes his or her life to a woman. And yet, look at what we have done with that. It's just mind-boggling that we... And I think we still do that. Maybe not so much in, in our society, or maybe not so uh, openly in our society, but in some societies around the world it is quite open still. 
instead of showing gratitude to the female energy in most societies, men have found justification for physically and psychologically subjugating women. You know, and I think that we have to use times like that, like Mother's Day, to look into it, to, to remind ourselves, first of all, that there is such a thing still, but then to ask why. Why are we, why have we created this, are creating this uh, separation, gap, dominance? This is time to look into our hearts and inquire, how do we feel about gender? And the root cause that led to the development of patriarchal societies can be found in our own hearts. And the need to create divisions, the need to create divisions is resting on the need to form an identity. And for that purpose, what could be more natural than to identify with our gender? It's probably the first thing we hear about who we are. You are a boy or a girl. When it is definitely one of, that is most tangibly fixed. Only two options. You can either be a male or a female. And if you're a male, you're not a female. And if you are a female, you're not a male. It's very defined, it's very fixed, it's very easy to go that route. Very easy to create the other in this paradigm. Right? And and it comes prepackaged with opposition. Who I am is also who I am not. Right away there is a gap. And provisionally speaking, that truth is valid. It is true. Easily verified, isn't it? But it's limited. It is true and limited. Or maybe we should say limiting. It gives us justification and permission to view and label ourselves in a specific and fixed way and to view and label the other side of this diet also in a very specific way. And this gives birth to the first and most rooted division we experience. Very early on. But can that by itself shed light on the reason we hold on to being male or female? Is there something else there? Is that the ground level? In this dialogue, the 13th daughter of the Zheng family is visiting Guishan at this monastery, and she's accompanied by her Dharma sister. There is no mention here about the Zheng family or the other 12 siblings. It's not relevant to us or to this case, so we just put it aside for now. Now, what is a Dharma sister? Now, we are Dharma brothers and sisters. People who practice together uh, in some kind of a Sangha are considered Dharma brothers and sisters. So she went to visit Grishan 
with someone who she was practicing with and that person, that woman was more senior to her. So, the senior approached Grisha, made a full bow and stood in front of him. And Grisha asked her a simple question, where do you live? Where do you live? Now the footnote says, everyone in the world is the same. Still, he must ask. He has a vow to make trouble. As a teacher, he has to create trouble. And she answers, I live near Nantai River. And the footnote says, she may be misguided, but I will say she is truthful. She may be misguided, but truthful. And it's true. Relatively speaking, it's very true. But is she answering from the relative or is she answering from the fundamental? How is she answering? It's not the words. It's what the words are sitting on. It's where they come from. That's why expression is most important way to, de to decipher, to determine whether a person has an understanding or the level of the understanding. Pure expression. Guishan shouted and told her to leave. And what is this exchange about? It definitely sounds like a simple question and a simple answer. Easy to answer, easy to understand. He's asking me where I live. What, what is my home? What do I call home? What do I call home? Remember a couple of weeks ago at the Sashin, I think it was on Sunday morning, I mentioned that how my teacher used to say that we're all homeless and there's no place for you to go back to when the Sashin ends. So when it did end, did you drive back home open the door, close it shut after entering? Did you pay attention to the split second of being at the threshold? Not in and yet not out. At the place of not defining being somewhere or being nowhere. Right? When you are standing at the threshold, you are not at home yet, or what you call home, and yet you are also not outside. You are not at what you call no home. Where are you? That split second. Where are you? Where, who are you? What would you define yourself by? Are you even there? There seems to be certainty about what we consider home and what we consider not home. So that in-between gets lost in the way we rush, going in and out, out and back in. Or maybe it gets lost because we are afraid to be in the limbo. We are afraid to not be somewhere. We are afraid to be nowhere. So we rush to answer, I know where I live. I know this is not where I live. 
I know I'm a male. I know I'm not a female. Not living, not arriving. Not in, not out. Not old, not young. Not male, not female. No eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. Mu. Complete mu. So her answer, I live near Nantai River, is like saying to Grishan, I am a female and you are a male. Would that be wrong? Conventionally, we see Grishan's response as scolding and rejection. Right? As if she failed in giving him the correct answer. But in reality, he was just expressing the freedom from any kind of dualism through the question. And he was doing that actually in the most compassionate, caring way. It's as if he's asking you, are you sure this is where you live? And how solid is your certainty? Look deeply, look again and again and again. This is what I call home. This is what I call me. Traditionally, we begin from there. This is the ground. But is it the ground? Sometimes the most simple questions are the most important ones. Because they shake, if we allow the questions to do that, they shake the ground upon which we stand. They shake up the deepest aspects of our self-definition. That's why the commentary says that's his job. He must ask. He made a vow to create trouble. He made a vow to ask you, to ask us the most intimate questions. And it is intimate. Actually, it does not get more intimate than that. So, then Grishan turns to Zheng and says, this woman behind you, where does she live? Again. Right? Same question. And the footnote says, let's see if they both, both fit on the same skewer. Nice way to put that. Now Zheng relaxed her body, walked walk close to Grishan, stood still with her palm joint. Right? She was in Gashu. Is that a good answer? Is that a good expression? Grishan repeated the question. Now why would he do that? Why would he repeat the question? Obviously he knows she heard the question. Was that the same question or was that something brand new? These, these are the points we have to look at. Now every time we look at the corn, the corn does not... The, the job or the, the purpose of the corn is to, to create complications, is to stir things up, is to shake up the ground. 
is to not to, to tell us do not go automatically with assumption you think he's asking the same question but is it the same question you think we understand why he's asking the question because he's rejecting your answer it seems that way so Zheng says master I've already told you again have already told you right? so she holds she's holding on to something I've expressed what I needed to express. Master, I've already told you, is regurgitating. What happened a minute ago or a second ago was appropriate a second ago. You drag it around, you're going to create complications no longer appropriate brand new moment no longer appropriate so then he says go away and then the footnote says indeed inevitably Grishan diminishes people's worth now, Inevitably, Grishan diminishes people's worth. That sounds like, well, here, of course, he's rejecting her. So that could strengthen the assumption or open it up. Actually, it is the Dharma itself that diminishes people's worth. But it is not the true worth that is being diminished. It's very important to remember that. It's not the true worth. The Dharma teacher will simply not allow you to reside anywhere. Every time you stand there too long, the carpet will be pulled away from under your feet. Whatever you bring with you will be smashed in front of your eyes. So you have nothing on which to rely. Nothing on which to stand. Go away means come back with a better way of expressing. Go away means go deeper. Go away has nothing to do with rejection. Every Dharma teacher knows that whoever is standing there in front of this person is a Buddha. How else could it be? If we understand the Dharma, we understand that Buddhahood is not something to aspire to, something to hold on to, something that some have and some do not have. We just need to realize it. That is true. We do need to realize it. We have to realize who we are, but before we can realize who we are, we have to see how quickly we run into what we think we are and hold on to that and answer from there. Mogwishan is doing, as, as all these teachers, pushing us to answer from a different place, speak from a different place, walk, eat, sleep from a different place from a place of no place. 
So both these women are expressing their, their answers or their understanding in their own genuine ways. And Grishan sends both of them away to deepen their understanding. But he's actually asking you, where do you live? He's not talking to them, he's talking to you, to us. How do we answer this? How do you answer such a question? You don't use words, you get scolded. You use words, you get scolded. As we just saw. It's reminding me of another exchange that you may remember, I brought it up a while ago. An old addict asked a seeker, where have you just come from? And the seeker replied, from the city. The addict said, where are you now? The seeker said, I'm in the mountains. The addict said, I have a question to ask you. If you can answer, you may stay. If not, then leave. Now then, when you left the city, the city was lacking you. When you came to the mountains, the mountains had you extra. If you are absent in the city, the reality of mind is not universally omnipresent. Right? If you are extra in the mountains, then there is something outside of mind. Then there is coming and going. Then there is leaving and arriving. The seeker had nothing to say. Then he said, if you can comprehend this as it is said, you will not fall into nihilism nor externalism. Your sixth sense faculties will be peaceful and you will be tranquil and quiet, whether active or still. One mind, unborn, myriad entanglements cease. No complications. Otherwise, if you are not like this, you fall into nihilism or externalism, depending on being or non-being. This is like running away from home. That is running away from home. Creating home is running away from home. Identifying with the gender is running away from home. Creating an identity is turning away from who you are. Oh, we keep hearing this. I don't know if he's doing it. We keep hearing the same words over and over again and with different spices. But does it evoke something? Does it help us trust or doubt first? Doubt. Greatly doubt what we know. So how do we run away from home, right? The sense of comfort, stability, and familiarity that we feel when we are at home does not come from the structure itself. It always arises out of what we assign to the structure. In other words, the meaning is in what we slap onto the thing and not in the thing itself. You spend some time investigating deeply. Investigating deeply that what you recognize, you recognize that we do exactly the same with yourself. What you recognize as you is what you slap on to what you think you are. It's what you add. It's not the actual thing. 
primarily because the actual thing is unboxed. Because the actual thing is nowhere to be found. So the need to, I, to look for it, well, that's their mounting a donkey to go look for a donkey. The need to go look for it is by itself running away from home. The desire to find oneself is the way we get away from ourselves. Or is, is, as she said, it's what fuels the search. Fuels the search. How else would you recognize yourself? You are male or female, young or old, tall or short, and so on. So what we need to recognize is that by not holding on to a defined self, we are there. We are home. Even if it's just a split second of recognizing being on that place of no place, even if it's just briefly, still, it's a lot. And it becomes bigger and bigger, deeper and deeper, vast, wide, alive. So, after Zheng expressed her understanding, Guishan repeated his question, and Zheng said, Master, I've already told you. And the footnote says, Ah, too much, too soon, too fast, too bad. Still, it amounts to something. Still, it amounts to something. I like that. You know, yes, too much. Missed the point. Still, it amounts to something. She has an understanding. There is some level of understanding. Absolutely. But she needs to go back to the cushion and clarify it further. Guishan picked up on that. And he helped her, fuel her determination. Which she did. There's always further refinement, right? And we talked about that the Sashin, continuous refinement. Whatever level of understanding there is, it's got to be further refined. There is still grasping. Both these examples, both these women, are grasping in different ways. We have to see how they grasp. And more importantly, we have to see how we grasp. So she goes away and asks another teacher, Lushan. When I saw Guishan, I, I responded to him this way, did I attain equanimity? When he said, you are not faultless. And then Zheng said, what was my fault? And the footnote says, she has misunderstood. Cubs are trained through play. This is training. Showing up at Dokusan 
walking away with what may feel like a tail between our legs is actually training. This is practice. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel as if you failed, as if you just got rejected. It's okay because it pushes your practice. Because it makes you look at, well, what's going on here? What's really going on? What did I miss? Maybe you don't indulge too long in thoughts of self-deprecation. You actually can go deeper. And you will go deeper. That's training. This is how lion cubs are trained. It's rough. But that's how they realize what it is to be a lion. That's how we realize what it is to be a dragon. And Jenk said, it's like spreading flowers on brocade. I think this, this uh, story tells us that she was 12. It's quite rare to encounter young people with such determination. I think in most cases, when we are told to go away, we do feel rejected. We turn away from the practice and say, the hell with it, it's not for me. I want nothing to do with it. But in the process of self-diminishment, there is no way to avoid feeling rejection. This is what we do. We go slowly through the process of self-diminishment. To diminish the self. We go through what most people hold on to. We go through breaking it down, letting it go. What most people work very hard all their lives to nurture, to grow, to protect, to worry about, we actually diminish. All identification. And we need refinement, we need instruction, we need teachers. Some people think they may not need a teacher or a Sangha. I know what the practice is about. I'm going to sit for a while every day and I'm good to go. I can sustain the practice on my own. Some people do feel this way, but how do they keep evolving without having someone hold their feet to the fire? Where is the accountability for keeping it real, keeping it fresh? Now, the need to fixate is very strong and very habitual. And without guidance and continuous practice, even abiding nowhere can become somewhere. That becomes a home. And Lushan, when he himself, the second teacher she went to ask, he himself was studying under Shishuang. He asked Shishuang, when one is unable to find a place where none can go or remain, then what? He was bothered by that too. And Shishuang said, give it up completely. Lushan didn't penetrate this answer. So later on, he continued his travel and met Yantu and asked the same question. 
And so Yantu said, going or abiding in some other place, of what use is it? Upon hearing these words, Lushan woke up. So going or abiding in some other place, what good is it? What do you need that? Why are you asking? Do you, do you feel sometimes lost and wonder if you'll ever realize this place of no place? Do you wonder if you'll ever attain realization? Well, if you do, you're in good company. Look how these great masters also felt this way. Also were lost. You know, we only read, or mostly read about their, their teachings. But if you read, and it's, it's there. I mean, if you look at the biographies of these teachers, you see at the beginning, you see their own, their struggles. You see how they, before they realized themselves, had very similar struggles to what you experience, what we all experience. Even after years of dedicated practice, they still kept a beginner's mind and appreciated being students. Still practice. realizing nothing is to be attained, then there is realization. Nothing to be attained, yet practice. Having no goal, having no destination, yet having strong determination to practice, to keep showing up, to regular sitting practice, to keep showing up to Zazenkais and Sashins, to keep attending to Korn study. So here Shishuang says, give it up completely. But if you're holding on to a notion of emptiness, then how do you give up completely that which is not there to begin with? Which in a way is what Lushan was holding on to. How do you give that up? So then when he went to Yantu and asked the same question, Yantu went directly to the heart of the matter and asked, why do you need to hold on or let go? Why do you want to jump around between holding on to letting go? If I'm not holding on to something, then I'm, I must be letting go of something. Again, self-definition. Again, the need to fixate, the need to hold on to not holding on. What's the difference? So when, when Yanta said that, that woke him up on the spot. When you arrive, why do you need to hold on? When you leave, why do you need to let go? Why create a gap that does not exist? When Grishan is asked, what Grishan is asking, where do you live? He's asking us, right? Like, like Shishuang. He's also saying, give it up completely. Give up gender, location, appearances, and any other way 
form takes shape. But you must answer on the spot. On the spot, as the verse says, it is not a matter for hesitating over. You hesitate, you trap. Because you hesitate, you start to think about it. And it says, the mother lord is always, always right here. When we realize that the mother lord is always right here, then we finally merge with the fundamental. And when we are merged with the fundamental, differences no longer appear as threatening or opposing. In fact, we learn to see the beauty of the multiplicity, embrace and appreciate it. Appreciate the many colors, shapes, sounds. Not be threatened by this. You may remember the famous words of Master King Yuan, who said, before I studied Zen for 30 years, I saw mountains as mountains and waters as waters. When I arrived at a more intimate knowledge, I came to a point why so that mountains are not mountains and rivers or waters are not waters. But now that I have got its very substance, I'm at rest. For it's just that I see mountains once again as mountains and water once again as water. Before we practice, we only see multiplicity and gaps. We see separation, we see male and female, we see high and low, in and out, home, no home. It's all we see. And that's all we base our reality on. Then we practice, we enter practice and we have some realization. Then we realize all this is just of one nature. Everything we see is one. And it's an amazing experience. It is an amazing experience. But we go further. And then we go back. We go back to male, female, in, out, mountains, rivers, today, tomorrow, the day after, but there are no longer gaps. We drop the gaps altogether and we enjoy rather than fear. We enjoy and celebrate differences. What we have created in patriarchal societies we have created out of fear. We have created out of not understanding oneness of all things. Out of fear. And when you transcend that, you realize the female energy is utterly important as everything else is. And you see its beauty. And you learn from it. It's from all differences. Nothing is separated from anything. 
it just does not appear the same way because it cannot. And thank God for that. I mean, imagine if everything would be the same, would look the same. If everybody was like you, it'd be quite boring, quite dull. So, Mother's Day. It's a time to celebrate the female energy, it's a time to appreciate, a time to say thank you to all the women in our lives, but also a time to go deeper into understanding why we have created what we have created and understand that the root source, the root source of that is also the end of that. 